We welcome all those who watch around the world. We have people get up really early in the morning and watch from the United States and Canada and other South American countries too. And we also have those who are maybe staying up late and are watching in Australia and New Zealand who would come on with us and that's the two ends of the earth as it were. So we welcome them and of course all who are at home who are near we welcome them. We trust the Lord will bless them. Just speaking while you get the scripture. It's in Exodus chapter 3. Let's just read from verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this will be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. And moreover, And God said, moreover unto Moses, Thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. We know the Lord will bless that reading of his own precious word again in in public, but we're just by in another word of prayer. Father, take our hearts in. Take them up in your spirit this morning. Take our minds away from the things of this earth 
and from the things that are happening in our nation and around the world. Lord, take us closer to thee, closer to you. Lord, that we would behold your glory and your glory alone. Speak to us and deal with us, convict us, convince us, compel us. In whatever way, Lord, you deem it necessary and whatever way you see fit, for thou alone art God and there is none else. We worship you and we praise you and we thank you, Father. Thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you came and you bled and died for us. Now, by thy spirit, we pray that you would imprint this word upon our hearts and scribe it deep within our being. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we looked at how Moses is the keeper or the shepherd of a flock, his father-in-law's flock. And when we looked at this, we brought you through how Moses was going through, it says, the wilderness. We looked at the word wilderness and it's the word midbar. And again, just briefly, it's as the shepherds would have known certain trails. And as they went along certain trails, they knew places or patches or pastures where the sheep could feed or the cattle could feed. It would be dry and sparse in areas. That's the wilderness, the midbar. When he comes to Horeb, Horeb is further out and Horeb simply means desert and dry. It's there the mountain range is, where Sinai is there, or the mountain of God. But what we looked at last week was that usually shepherds went out for one day's journey. One day's journey. But what actually happened was they went out, or pardon me, Moses went out three days' journey. But this time he's so far out uh, that there's nothing in the ground for the, even the cattle. What am I doing here? Things have went from sparse or bad to worse. That's the way our life can go sometimes. And even as we, uh, in our spiritual life, our spiritual walk with Christ, we can have those dry times or patchy times and other times are just barren. And they're dead. And we're looking for the water of the Spirit and we're looking for the grazing on the word, and we do that, but we seem to not be getting a lot out of it. Notice Moses was walking through the wilderness, and maybe you're walking through your wilderness, but where did he end up when he stepped out? When he went further than usual the one day, for three days he went. Where did he end up? He ended up in the desert, but he ended up at the mountain of God at the mountain of God. Listen, brother, sister, I'll say it again before we move on this morning. Wherever you are in your walk with Christ this morning, wherever you are in your heart this morning, you keep trusting the Lord and his sovereign providence. And he may bring you, and you'll say, Lord, this looks worse rather than getting better. But at the end of it, when you trust him, he's no man's debtor. He will not let you down, and you'll find yourself at the mountain of God. What was it made this mountain? Dry, rugged, barren. What made it the mountain of God? Simple. God's presence. 
I've read, read commentators saying it was, the, it was known as the mountain of the gods because they were so have a peak from the ground level that they were at. And maybe that's what others called it. That's not what made it the mountain of God. He made it the mountain of God. His presence. So his presence is what changes circumstance. His presence is what strengthens the life, strengthens the heart, takes away, expels all the fear. It's his presence. It's his presence that makes the feast when we're gathering together. And so here we know the story, the burning bush, and Moses goes over, and it's as though he's running now toward it, and the Lord stops him and says, Moses, take thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place where on thy standest is holy ground. So there's some things we want to just throw out for you and to look at before we go any further. Notice verse 1 says, at the end of it, he led the flock of the, to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even though Horeb. First, who the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. The, the idea here, as I said, it isn't uh, strange. I was, I'd left Jody over to work yesterday, and on the way back home, there's a house with this bush outside it, and I don't know the name of it. I'd love to know the name of it, but it's like reds and pinks and yellows, and it actually looks like a flame. It's on fire when you're driving past it. And some people think it is a bush. I take it like that. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says it wasn't fire. It wasn't fire. It wasn't fire. And so Moses turns aside to see this bush that's on fire. And whenever we think about this, he has to take his shoes from off his feet because the place we're on, he's standing is holy ground. Now, brothers and sisters, when you go over the chapter to our reading, and notice what the Lord says in verse 12, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Now, listen, Moses is just hearing this news in his ears. This is hard news to hear. You're going to go and bring the people out of Egypt. In fact, whenever we read the chapter again, notice what the Lord says in verse 9. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppress them. Look at verse 10. Come now therefore. Look at verse 8. I'm come down to deliver. Verse 9. I'm come, uh, their cries come unto me. And then verse 10, he says, come now therefore, and I will send thee. God says, I'm going to deliver. I've heard their cry, but I'm sending you. Think about this. I'm come to deliver, he says. Great Lord. Fantastic Lord. Come down and deliver. I've heard their cry. I'm coming to deliver. I'm sending you. But sure, you're going to do it, Lord. Why are you sending me? God works through the medium of his people. God works through the medium of your hands, believer, and your feet. God uses your mouth. You're the witness the faith 
that he gives to you to express to others. Do you want to see Moses' fear? We read it in our chapter, and look what it says here. In verse 11, Moses said unto God, Who am I? I'm nothing. I'm no one. I'm just me. Who am I? The mighty Egyptian empire, the mighty Egyptian nation uh, who's, who's held them for 400 years now. And you're saying to me, I'm going to go and speak to them. I'm going to go and lead them out. Me. Brothers and sisters, what we find today is that when God has given us a task, a job, or a calling to do, uh, the, 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 you'll find God usually uses conscripts. The ones who are like, I really don't want to do this. I can't. Do we not know that the Lord has already told us in his word? I can do. What is it? All things on my own. I think you are falling asleep with the heat this morning. And maybe it's just the crowds down because of all that's going on. And, and yes, are usually later. I can do. Through. Which strengtheneth me. I can. I can. And here Moses starts to ask the Lord, and he gets an argument. We finished here last week in his head before he gets to Egypt. He's already started an argument, not only with the Lord, but with whoever else is going to speak to him. Do you ever get that you're going to go and maybe you have to go and do something or say to someone, or or you have to have a chat about something with something? Well, if they say this, I'm going to say that. And if they bring that up, I'm going to bring this up. And you, brothers and sisters, you don't have to. Don't need to go with a gentle spirit. And a soft word will turn away wrath. And when you speak to them, know that you've brought it before your father first. We always think the worst, don't we? This is going to be a terrible situation. And we always think the worst, and fear comes, and fear breeds more fear. And Moses here is saying, Who am I? You know what I love about it? Twice Moses has said, who am I in this chapter? Notice in verse uh, 6, Moses said, Moreover, he said, or pardon me, it's not verse 6, I've, I've lost my place. All right, verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and, he, and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Here am I. I present myself to you, Lord. I told you before, I'll tell you it again. I used to pray and was so full of fire and, you know, and I'm still in fire for God. I still love him with all my heart. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my life. He's my, he's my whole life. I don't even have any hobbies that I could say that I do because I just love spending time with him and his word. And notice here, we're always here, um, I. Sometimes we think we want something until we're given it, and then we don't. And Moses says, here am I. I remember, here am I, Lord, here am I, Lord. And I was praying it for 
a few years, and it was over a small golf course in Belfast on the shore road. It wasn't even called a golf course, but it's meant to be one. And we were, I was walking over, and it was early in the morning before anybody was out of their bed, and I used to walk along the top of this hill and pray over where I used to be in my old bad days. All the rows of houses up York Road, and I used to stand and pray over the houses every morning. I used to pray. Lord, I would do anything for you. Lord, I would go anywhere for you. All you have to do is say. And the Lord one morning said to me, I want you to give all you have away and go to Romania. Lord, I don't really want to go there. Anywhere but there. I'd already been. Sometimes the Lord places things in our life, in our hearts, where we're saying, Lord, I'll go wherever. But when we get it, we realize it's not what we thought. Here we find that Moses says twice, first of all, here am I. And then he says, who am I? One minute, he's able. But he's in his own strength. Here am I. The next moment, he's unable. Who am I? Moses forgot something. It's not who you are, Moses. It's not who you are, child of God. It's not who you are, brother. It's not who you are, sister, or who I am. It's who he is. Here am I, Nian. Who am I? And the lovely thing is God's answer to him. He said, I am, not am I. I am that I am. He didn't say, I was. God's not an, an I was. He is, an I, he is the I am. You know, if God was an I was, then we're in trouble. And when we go to 2020 now and today's modern so-called society, 2020 is God's outdated. I can tell you, brothers and sisters, God is still the I am. The I am for 2020. He's the I am for your situation. He's the I am for what's happening in the world. He's the I am for our country and for our nation, for our kith and for our kin. He is still the great I am. We're living in a world of fear. We're living in a a, a country of fear. And without trying to bash your ears about this coronavirus even more, I'm not going to say a lot about it because if if you're like me, I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. We have to be careful. We have to do what's right. Try and stay healthy. Of course we do. Of course it's real. But fear has gripped the hearts of men and women. Fear has gripped the hearts of people who a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago even, on their Facebook pages and all these sort of social media things were putting pictures up, be kind, be kind, be kind. They're not being kind when they're raiding the, 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 uh, the supermarkets and the people who really need the stuff can't get it. Their be kind soon goes out the window. That's human nature. That's the real man and that's the real woman. 
Now you're starting to see a glimpse, brother. You're starting to see a glimpse, sister, of the depraved nature of the human being. But when we look at Christ, we see the perfect nature, the pure nature of the man who became, or the God who became man, a human being. We find here that fear breeds fear. Moses, before you go, no fear. I can't even speak right. I've got a stammer. It's all right. Your brother's going with you. I'm sure Aaron was pleased, eh? If it was me, I can imagine the Lord saying, your brother's going with you. I would love him too, for he's in a backsliding condition at the minute, and I would love him to be with me. But I'm sure even if he was, he'd say to me, what on earth are you praying about now? Don't bring me with you. God always has someone to come alongside. Always. He always has someone and he moves in his sovereign providence to bring people at the right time, the right place with the right word. And so he sends Aaron with him. Notice here, uh, he says... And Moses, verse 11, Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Notice, he's still looking at self, and so fear is breeding. It's breeding in his heart. And another thing, with this stuff going on, I have been surprised. I was talking to brother Jeff this morning about this. I've been so surprised at the believers who are living in fear. Brothers and sisters, you belong to Christ. You're washed in the blood. Can you get sick? Of course you can. Can I? Of course I can. And I'll do my best and you'll do your best not to. But whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. This is a time for you, brothers and sisters, for the, for, for the ecclesia, the called out, This is the time for us to show people the Christ in us, the peace in us, the strength of us, and the rest in us. To speak Christ. To tell, why are you not panicking like the rest? Why are you not going and raiding Tesco's shelves or Asda's shelves? They're doing it in Walmart in America and everywhere. Why are you not going and raiding them? I'll tell you why I'm not going to raid them. Because my provision comes from there. Comes from him. Your provision comes from the Lord. Israel are in a terrible bondage. Are they crying unto God? I believe it's less less crying because they have already in 400 years, they don't know the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, but for a few stories. It's the cry of the heart and the labor of his people. And he says, I'm coming down, now's the time. Brothers and sisters, you and I are Christ's hands, we are Christ's feet, and we are Christ's mouth. So let's be careful how we use it. What we say with it. Notice, I'm just talking to our brother Jeff this morning, and he was saying, you know, there are those who think that everybody's going to be just kept shielded from it. Listen, 
God could shield us from it. Now, let me put it like this. Israel, when there was darkness in Egypt, there was light in Goshen. Whenever there was plagues in Egypt, there was health in Goshen. And when there was judgment in Egypt, there was salvation in Goshen. Notice here, I would think, I would dread, it's not dreading a coronavirus. No way. If I was unsaved, I'd dread meeting the Lord. I would dread terrified. But the world has been programmed that if there's even a God, and if there is a living God, that he loves everybody just the way you are. I didn't mean to go down this route, but let me put it like this here. Is it not strange that this year, is it not strange that, and I don't want to, people have asked me to speak on the coronavirus and all that sort of stuff and what I think. If I said what I think, they might shut me down. So I'm not going to maybe do it yet. I didn't say I wasn't going to do it. I said maybe I'd do it yet. But I'll tell you this. I believe there's wickedness behind this. You're going through a trial run. And the world will get worse. The wickedness will get worse. But the king is coming. But he's coming. I'm saved. I belong to him. So when he comes, I have no worries. Now, whenever we look at this, and we see here Moses saying, I am. Or pardon me, am I? Who am I? He's still looking, I'm going to bring them out, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and the other thing, I'm going to do all of this. And he's forgetting the sovereign God. What is happening with most of the church today? They're forgetting their sovereign God. Oh, the church is waning. The church is dying. And there's some people out there think that that God that God doesn't do miracles anymore, and He doesn't work in providence anymore. There's some who think that God that the Holy Ghost doesn't speak in the church anymore. Brothers and sisters, the God I serve is alive and well. He's alive and well, and the church even are fearful about these things. Some of the church. Just what we were saying this morning, you know, people think, oh, this is going to happen, and it's all right, we're not going to come under this and everybody's just going to rapture out of the road and all of this sort of stuff. Listen, brothers and sisters, the Lord told us that we will go through these things before he come. Notice here in verse 6, and then it's again mentioned in verse 15, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Goes to the patriarchs, he says, remember Abraham's miracle? Remember when he took Isaac, his son, to, to, to offer him 
for a burnt offering and the Lord, uh, he provided the ram. Do you remember that? Think of this, three days, just like Moses walked three days out into the wilderness. He takes, and he, he takes his son after leaving his servants and goes further and he walks three days. And he goes to offer Isaac for a burnt offering. Listen, except for Ishmael, he's no son. Ishmael isn't the promised seed. And Isaac shall thy seed be called Isaac's sons. And here he's saying, and, and your seed will come through Isaac. Moses has taken him up the mountain with the wood and the fire. It wasn't just to, people say, put the knife in and kill him. He was to burn him. Burn him to a cinder. And yet Abraham on the way up, Father, here's the wood and there's the fire, Isaac says, but where's the sacrifice? The Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. Notice he says, the Lord shall provide himself. Not for himself, himself. When he lifts the knife to put it in, obviously the Lord stays his hand. Abraham's faith was this, that as close as he got up that mountain to offer Isaac as a burnt offering unto the Lord, knowing that he was going to be burned to a cinder. You know what he was believing? That as Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who was going to raise in Abraham's faith, going to raise Isaac from the dead, but from the ashes, and form Isaac again, that his seed would come from Isaac. The one who was going to do that, he came and he presented himself, not for himself. God provided himself a sacrifice. And he's the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. So when we look at this, we can see there's a lot of, of the gospel in this. You see, Christ is the whole way through the scripture. He just doesn't start at Matthew chapter 1, you know. He's the whole way through the scriptures. And notice here, in verse 12, and he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee, and when thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God upon this mountain. And so Moses leaves. We know the story. He goes and he brings the children of Israel out. And where does he bring them to? Mount Sinai. And what does he do? He goes up and the Lord gives them the codified law. See, the law was always in existence. Even from the Garden of Eden, there was law. And the law was broken in the Garden of Eden, but it was codified. God was building a national people. It was codified at Mount Sinai. So you see here that the Lord said, you're going to go out and you're going to come back. If you believe me, put all your in me, you're going to be Okay. Reminds me when the disciples had fed the multitude and they were got into the boat and Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side. Uh, uh, Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, maybe 6. And he says, get into the ship and go to the other side. You know, the storm comes and Jesus walks out the water onto them. 
And they think he's a ghost. And we know the story. He, he calms the storm. He speaks to the storm and they go to the other side. The thing about it all is, is he said to the disciples, get into the ship and go to the other side. They couldn't have sank. They couldn't have sank. Wouldn't have mattered if the water had filled in the boat right up to the brim. The disciples couldn't have sank. It was impossible for the disciples to sink in the storm. But their hearing wasn't good enough to carry them over. They didn't trust enough nor believe enough. They didn't have it buried in them to go to the other side. Oh, they were going. But no matter what, Jesus says, get into the ship and go to the other side. When Jesus says you're going to the other side, if he says you're going to make it, you're going to make it. If you're going to make it, Jesus says you're going to make it, you're going to make it. When he says you're going to be okay, you're going to be okay. When he says you're able to do it and you think you can't, you're able to do it. For he said to Moses, I'm come down to deliver them. And then he says, but I'm sending you. I'm sending you. Me, Lord. Do you not know that God's glory is seen greatest in weakness? God's glory is seen greatest in your weakness. Thank the Lord he chose the weak and the foolish and the base things, eh? So we find that God is building faith in Moses. Remember Abraham. Remember Isaac. Remember Jacob. Remember how I came to them. Remember how I led them. He's building that faith in Moses. He says, and you're going to come back to this mountain. So whenever God says, you're going to go out and you're going to come back again, brothers and sisters, you'll go out and you'll come back again. When the Lord says, when he comes, should we be in the turf? Should we be in the terra firma? Should we be buried in the soil and you're his child? When he says, don't worry, you'll be with me, you'll be with him. When he says, don't worry, I'll walk you through, he'll walk you through. When he says, I'm coming again and you're going to rise in the resurrection, guess what? You're going to rise in the resurrection. What are we afraid of? What do you fear of? I was talking to somebody last week. I was listening to an old preacher and he was talking and I was telling him about this and I was saying, listen, see the fear. And I says, see the fear that's going around with people and they're saying, heaven's so glorious, we can't wait to go and yet when something comes that might take you, you go, well, we're not ready to go yet. I says, if heaven's so good, this old preacher, it was Gordon McGee, says, well then get the heaven out of here. That's what he said. Do you get it, brothers and sisters, you know? Where's our faith? Where's our faith that should the Lord uh, call us or, uh, uh, and we, we rest in the ground or, or whether he, he calls us and our spirit returns to God was given or whether he'd come again at this moment in time and those of us who are saved, I mean saved, washed in the blood, bought by the blood, Saved and serving and trusting Christ, you have nothing to be afraid of. Your provision comes from Him. Your redemption is in Him. Everything is in Him. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to close with something in a moment. Will you turn with me?
to the Psalms, please. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. In this, in the first 13 verses, you're going to find your God is one. He is omniscient. He knows everything. Knows your heart, knows your feelings, knows your thoughts, knows your word before it's in your mouth. He knows your ways, he knows your wanderings, he knows your weakness. He knows it all. And secondly, we find he is, uh, we see his omnipresence. His omnipresence, in other words, so he's with us this morning. Who's conscious of him this morning? I'm conscious of him this morning. He's in our midst. He has to be, because he said it. Think about this. Not because I'm telling him he has to be, because he said he would be. And his word will not return on him void. He's with our loved ones. He's with the ones who are maybe just got up early in the United States to watch us. He's there. He's with those who are going to bed in Australia, New Zealand, or wherever else people are watching from. He's, he's there. He's in heaven, away out there past those billions and billions, whatever they know of galaxies and whatever else is out there. He's there, yet he's here. He fills all and he's in all and he's through all. Yet he's the almighty God. That's who he is. And we'll see that in the reading of this. His omnipresence. And then, and, and then we see his omnipotence. He's all-powerful. He's almighty. He's the I am, that I am, the great I am. He is the sovereign Lord God of the heavens and the earth. The creator, the maker, the keeper, the sustainer, the uplifter and upholder of all things that ever there was is or, ever, or ever shall be that is from heaven to earth and back again. He is. And he's got a name, by the way. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, let's read the omniscience of God. Verse 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path, my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Notice, here he is omniscient. You're way past my understanding. You're way beyond my working out. You're way deeper than my fathoming that I can ever fathom. You're way beyond my comprehension, Lord. You are indescribable. Jesus, you are God's unspeakable gift to us in redemption. That's who he is. He knows everything. He knows when you've been lied about, talked about. He knows when you've been cheated or when you've cheated. He knows everything. He knows the ailment. He knows the need. He knows the circumstance. Listen, see this. I don't want to go back to it to give it credence, but this old virus running around, this corona thing, this coronavirus, let me tell you, you know what the Lord said? We're talking about plagues and all that sort of stuff. Listen, 
You know what the Lord called his army one time, the locusts? The locusts are God's army. Men with their mentality and their mind and their, you know, their, their big mindsets and their IQs that, you know, and letters behind their name. It's like, it's like looking at the alphabet and their IQs like telephone numbers and, you know, and the, the bamboos of you with science and all these things that they know. And the little, little itty bitty virus brings them all down to ground level. And listen, every single one of us, whether they're high and almighty or just four eights or like or five eights like me, every single one of us will one day should Christ Harry occupy six foot of dirt. And that's all we'll have, but I'll tell you something, if they're not saved and I am, I'd be with Christ. Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Knows everything about us. That's his omniscience. Maybe go through it more in Lord time. We're trying to wrap up here. Look at verse 7. We have his omnipresence. Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost part of the sea... Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Notice, I'm going to try and run from you. You can't run from God. You can't run from him. doesn't matter where you go. I knew a man one time, and every time he got under pressure, and he, he felt himself get under pressure, he, he just felt, I can't face this. And he really, it was an excuse. He jumped on a plane and went away for him. But the pressure was here when he got back. Didn't change. You can get on a plane and try and run from it. But I'll tell you, he's there. Who was the first one on Noah's Ark? God. How do you know? He said, come thou. He didn't go, get in there. <laughs> Push us all in. Come thou and all thy house in. And yet, he shut the door and sealed it. He's inside and he's outside. He's in you and he's in me. And he's in millions of others around the world. Notice, your problem, you seem so far away and aloof and aloft that no one can either help you and there's no hope for you. Brothers and sisters, listen, even there he says, your hand holds me. When, we, when I was in Romania, Alison and I were in Romania, we lived in the, in the orphanage. We lived in the top floor. And all the kids were down beneath us on the other floors. And out just across the yard, there was an old, I used to be a house, people lived in it. This was where we built it on this ground. It was their garden. And the house was in the front here. And it used to be a Baptist outreach post and it was bought off the Baptist, the whole ground. And, and here we decided, it was all run down, paint it up, fix it up, and let's see if we can get people in it and get them saved. This is over 20 years ago. So we're in there, uh, I, I was around, and I got flyers done in, in Romania, in the city, which is about 15 miles from us, Timisoara. And by the time I got back, there was a brown envelope sitting on my desk. And then it was one of my flyers with a note saying, you open this and we will arrest you. 
by the time I get back. We started trying to bring aid in and we were attacked. I was hitting the head with an iron bar. And the people protected us, by the way. And there were, were literally men standing in the corner with these duffel sort of, or these overcoats on, crombie sort of overcoats, briefcases, just like you would think of, typical, with pork pie hats on, and they were actually old KJB. KGB, sorry. And they would have went around asking what we were doing. And I went around the villages with an interpreter and I learned a little bit of Romanian. And with the interpreter, and we went through the villages. And when we were going through the villages, trying to get people in, and they were going around scaring them off. And this Sunday I didn't realize. And I walked in and I was like, 10 minutes do we go. It's a wee bit like here. Sometimes I'm looking, whereas everybody in the old file in the last 10 minutes. The, the church fills up and we're glad to see us. But there, there was nobody, not one person. And all the work we put into it, trying to get them and help them, and my heart sank. And I remember I walked out and up the side of the home and round to the back of the home, this big long building. And I stood and I says, Lord, I'm here in Romania. I'm at the back of this building here. I've went there and I've done all this. You know what we've tried to do and X, Y, Z. I rhymed it all off to the Lord, how wonderful I was. But how disappointed I was. And nobody's there, Lord, what am I going to do? Walked out to the front. There's a road came like this. Just one road through all the villages. Bumpy road. There's a road went, I went round the bend like this. And these two houses facing here. I seen this little black dot in the sky. And I stopped, it caught my eye. And I watched it, it got closer and closer. It was going. It was a wee bird. As so I got closer and closer and it dipped and it went up and it dipped, but it dipped between the houses and, then it, and as I came across the road it dipped and the car came around and hit the bird. And the wee bird fell dead right at my feet. Right at my feet. And this is what came to me. Matthew ten twenty nine. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? That's what came to me. I went back up to the back of the building and I says, Lord, I know you know I'm here. I'm sorry. For if you even know that sparrow, surely you know I'm here. We were in a village. Nobody knew us and we were going through a lot, a terrible time at the time. And I says, Lord, I know you know. Lord, I'll just work harder this week and I'll trust you for next. And I walked down and the church was full. Church was full. People get saved every single meeting. Every single one. When we left, there was 170 in the church. Nobody knows, Lord. Listen, God knows the sparrow that falls in flight. And he knows you too. Let me just finish. Omnipotence is in verse 10 to 13. Even there shall thine hand lead me, the right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike. See, in the darkness, God sees just as if it was daylight. You and I can't, he does. And even in the darkness you're going through, he sees it like it's in a perfect moment for you. 
The light are both alike to thee, for thou hast possessed my reins, and thou covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee. Why? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. His omnibenevolence is found in verse 17 and 18. Omnibenevolence, he is love. God is love. That's, he is in a state of love. He is, is, one of his attributes is love, and he loves you. Verse 17, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. Listen, whether you sleep in bed at night and have a peaceful night's sleep, or whether you fall asleep in Jesus, you still don't lose him. He always has hold of you. God bless his word to you. For Jesus' name's sake, amen. Amen.